call this quick fairy tale follies hello and welcome to the show my name is carter <laughs> my name's riley and our show is called fairy tale follies pending today we have a story for you a magical story from germany by the brothers Grimm. as a matter of fact oh Here this on... is a Grimm original yeah wow here on this show by william and Jacob. Both. Should we go over the uh, premise of the show once more, just for folks turning in? You want to take it? Sure. So, Carter and I are two uh, fellas, two close friends, both with English degrees, both pretty attuned to paying attention to different sort of narratives, what people can get out of it. Carter's grandmother recently gifted him nine very old, clearly out-of-date copies of old-time fairy tales, definitely not the ones that you would recognize from growing up. So Carter and I are going to take a look at these old fairy tales, story by story, episode by episode, to see what sort of interesting nuggets of truth lay in the past, what sort of weird stories they tell, and whether or not they deserve a second chance to be told to the youths of today. Yeah, exactly. Really well done there, by the way. Thank you. Very nice. I, I would say also that while the stories themselves may now may no longer um, hold, hold sway over an audience of Zooming, TikTok-watching... Um, <laughs> These the kids today! YouTube-viewing... With their AM radios and their moving picture boxes... Widdle ones. These stories are all pretty incredibly entertaining to me as a 28-year-old. <laughs> like, I will say that at the end of the day, I have not read one story in here that I was like, well, that was a waste of time. I love how they're all written. I love how crazy they get. And while I don't know how appropriate many of them would be for the classroom, there are really some true winners in here that I'm saving. And uh, I, I, I love each and every one of these. Yeah. But then again, we've always been pretty welcoming of absurd sort of stories. And it's also fun to realize that the absurdity in storytelling has always been the thing. Like, there's no... I mean, you, you look at a book like... I'm just going to fire a shot here. You look at, like, Jane Austen, right? Okay. And you're like, why are your stories so boring when there's so many exciting things happening in these a fairy nuclear tales? hot take by Carter <laughs> Hundreds of years ago. <laughs> crazy stuff's going on in the last one i'm just saying in pride and prejudice you know they didn't hide up a tree and drop a door on on anybody and they should have hmm, let's see it oh i'm getting a text from the ooh the jane austen <laughs> foundation oh carter what have you done oh no it's only episode two we've already oh, no. made enemies in the literary uh, circle are they are they revoking my membership oh it's just a bunch of emojis See a knife emoji, oh, angry huh. emoji, devil emoji. Do you think they? Do you think they'd be able to express themselves better given their background and literature? You think so? Kids today. Kids today. Do you think one of the um, brothers Grimm was like the Garfunkel? <laughs> <laughs> what if one of them was the Garfunkel Carter? Well, I mean, what would I'm that just, be like? I, we're, I mean, we'll never know, but I'm just like, did one of them, did Jacob do, like, all the writing, and William was like, 
I don't just know. Coasted by on his laurels. Kind of just got around. Yeah, I, you know, just kind of drank up the profits and was like yeah. relatively lazy, kind having of parties and, and much. making time with the groupies. Meanwhile, Jacob is I just slaving think, away. I just think there's no way it was fifty-fifty, right? Well, we'll never know. But it would make a pretty good movie. You ready to hear a story? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's a pretty good cutoff point since we were uh, just <laughs> doing our the wrap-up bit on. Simon and Garfunkel of the Grimm Brothers. An incredible take. It's just really amusing. It a, is, yeah. And that's not amusing. That's amusing from me about things. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The Wolf and the Seven Little Goats by William and Jacob. Sorry, William and Jacob Grimm. <laughs> there was once an old goat who had seven little ones and was as fond of them as ever mother was of her son. Sorry, of her children. Wow, get a little. Okay. She's got a, a little gendered over here, Carter. That's right. <laughs> Immediately messed that up. Oh well. <laughs> good thing this isn't the clean take. Yep, we're good. One day she had to go into the wood to fetch food for them, so she called them all around her. Dear children, she said, "I am going out into the wood, and while I am gone, be on your guard against the wolf." For if he were once to get inside, he would eat you up, skin, bones, and all. The wretch often disguises himself, but he may always be known by his hoarse voice and black paws. Is this foreshadowing? <laughs> Dear mother, I, I'm reading it like they're writing letters back and forth, even though they're just in the same room. <laughs> My Dear mother, mother. The kids, you need not be afraid. We will take good care of ourselves. And the mother bleated goodbye. Goodbye! And went on her way with an easy mind. (laughs) It was not long before someone came knocking at the house door and crying out. Who is it? (laughs) Open the door, my dear children. Your mother has come back and has brought each of you something. I'm calling the police. (laughs) Five-O. Wait, no, that's when the police show up. Oh, shoot. The little kids knew it was the wolf by the horse voice, so I should try that again. Open the door, my dear children. Your mother has come back and has brought each of you something. That doesn't sound like my mom. <laughs> you don't sound like mom at all. You're a fool, we, me. We will not open the door, cried they. You are not our mother. And then they f- Damn it. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> he did it. Carter, Carter, Carter. I was going to say, they give the darn game away in this next bit. They're very silly. You are not our mother. She has a delicate and sweet voice, and your voice is hoarse. You must be the wolf. See, if I was a kid being threatened by a wolf, here's what I'd do. I wouldn't tell the wolf how to fool me next time. Yeah. I would also give the wolf wrong information. You're not my mom. My mom has a very thick Italian accent. Sounds like one of the Mario brothers. You're not my mom. Get out of here. <laughs> You're not my mom. My mom always always leaves bags of hundred dollar bills on our doorstep and then goes away for days at a time. So your voice is hoarse. You must be the wolf. Then off went the wolf to his shop and bought a big lump of chalk and ate it up to make his voice soft. No idea the mechanics and biology that, on that one. Yeah, I was gonna say if that's where we're starting off with, then this story is gonna take some liberties with how basic stuff works. Yeah. Feeling hoarse? Eat some chalk. (laughs) So he came back, knocked on the house door, and cried in a very soft voice. Open the door, 
My dear children, your oh. mother is here and has brought each of you something. My mom doesn't sound that sensual. Get out of here, Wolf. <laughs> Where's the big bags of money? <laughs> Where's the money? <laughs> but the wolf had put up his black paws against the window. First mistake. And the kids seeing this cried out, We will not open the door. Our mother has no black paws like you. You must be the wolf. The wolf then ran to a baker. Baker, said he, I am hurting the foot. Pray, spread some dough over the place. What? Again. A okay, crazy right. solution. This is this is the uh, pre-medicine era in which this story was written. Yeah, when your humors were all, you know, inflamed or whatever happened to them. Yeah. And you need to balance them out by eating chalk and spreading dough on your foot. <laughs> and when the baker had plastered his feet, he ran to the miller. Miller, said he, and remember, he's still got his soft chalk voice, mm -hmm. strew me some white meal over my paws. But the miller refused, thinking the wolf must be meaning harm to someone. Wow, the miller the miller's a lot more tuned into what's going on in town than the baker. Yeah, it's like this seems like a wolf or a, this seems like the kind of thing a wolf would ask me to do. Hey, hey Jerry, Jerry the baker, did you did a wolf come by? Did you put dough on a wolf? You put dough on a wolf? You Why'd you on do a wolf? that? That guy sucks. You know he's not up to anything good. He's probably trying to eat those seven little sheep up the way or goats or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't get up there very often. You know me. I'm always. I'm always seven. Milling. Seven. What you? Seven. What you think he's up there? Yeah. And a mom. Yeah, and their mom with a thick Italian accent and a so. white claw. <laughs> One white claw. Well, anyway, the miller says the miller, and he's this guy has got a backbone on him. Mm -hmm. He refuses, thinking the wolf must be meaning harm to someone. And then the wolf says, "If you don't do it." I'll eat you up. And the miller was afraid and did as he was told. And that just shows what men are. Aw, miller, we were all rooting for you. That These line are right be there. Different. Such a dig at the miller. And also, <laughs> you know, the nature of humanity. Yeah. In a single line. And it's like, well, when you threaten somebody, they're probably going to say yes to you. So that's one lesson we can already take away. Yeah. For a single line, this becomes the dark knight. <laughs> When the chips are down, these civilized people will help the wolf eat you. Mark my words. And now came the rogue the third time to the door and knocked. Open, children, cried he. Your dear mother has come home and brought you each something from the woods. <laughs> and now your mom is a Dracula. <laughs> that was my Italian. Oh, it wasn't very good. But then again, no one's Italian accent is. First, show us your paws, said the kids, so that we may know if you are really our mother or not. And he put his paws against the window, and when they saw that they were white, all seemed right, and they opened the door. And yet when they pulled it away, it left a big white streak, and they thought, hold up, maybe we should talk about this. Have you been at the miller? <laughs> that pushover? They saw that it was the wolf, and they were terrified and tried to hide themselves. One ran under the table. The second got into the bed. The third into the oven. Oh, that's what a bad call. A fool. <laughs> right there. Big mistake. The fourth ran into the kitchen. Also a big mistake, but not where quite also as the big. Oven is. <laughs> yeah. Like one, you know, both went into the kitchen when you think about it. The fifth hid in the cupboard, and the sixth under the sink, the seventh in the clock case. And all these details are incredibly important, I'm sure. Not only do these seven goats have all the furnishings of of humanity they they definitely also have a clock 
a clock big enough to hide a little goat. These are uh, these are upper middle class goats. <laughs> also, this story lies to us, and you're going to see that here in a minute. Oh, the great. wolf found them all and gave them short shrift. One after the other, he swallowed down all but the youngest, who was hid in the clock case. Well, then so he didn't not find them. them all, did he? Yeah, don't lie to us just to hype up the wolf, to hype up the villain of your story. What the heck, bros grim? That was probably William's, like, oversight. Yeah. The, the Garfunkel. Um, so anyway, he found all of them except one of them, <laughs> who was hid in the clock case. And so the wolf, having got what he wanted, strolled forth into the green meadows, and laying himself down under a tree, he fell asleep. Now, let's be honest, hiding in the clock case, that is the most reasonable hiding spot out of all of these. One person just hid under a table. One of them just got into bed and thought he could just close his eyes and sleep the pain away. <laughs> numbers, th- numbers three and four. Three and four really just, they screwed the pooch on that one. They basically think, served themselves up on that one. I think one. three was probably thinking a, like a very reverse psychology t- deal. Like, there's no way he'd expect me to hide myself in the oven. Yeah. I've got this. Fifth and six got better, but still, it's the first place I look for my cats when I can't find them is in the cupboard and under the sink. But I would never open up a clock case and look for someone in there. Mostly because I don't have one, but still. I'm trying to think. I have very few places that I could hide slash fit into if a wolf came into my apartment. But I do have, you know, extra doors I could shut. Yeah. I think that would do it. That would probably do it. Yeah. Except for one of my doors because my cats have taught themselves how to open doors and part of it is just kind of ramming the door until the thing gives way so they already done most of the work for the big bad wolf they never try the same spot twice they're learning thinking watching waiting so so the mother goat comes home comes back from the wood and oh what a sight met her eyes the door was standing wide open table chairs and stools all thrown about dishes broken quilt and pillows torn off the bed she sought her children. They were nowhere to be found. She called to each of them by name, but none answered. Bill? Ted? Ted? <laughs> Excellent journey. <laughs> her, 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 her third kid was called Excellent Journey. <laughs> and, um, Bogus Quest. Bogus Quest. Face T- D tiny. music. Uh, how many is that? Six? <laughs> um, and FDR? <laughs> FDR. Yeah, one of the goats was called FDR. That was actually the youngest. <laughs> they were nowhere to be found. She called each of them by name, but nobody answered until she came to the name of the youngest. FDR! Here I am, mother. <laughs> FDR cried. Here in the clock case. And so she helped him out and heard how the wolf had come and eaten all the rest. And you may think how she cried for the loss of her dear children. I At might. last in her grief, she wandered out of doors. What were you going to say? I, I mean, I might think that, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? You if I had I... seven kids and someone ate six of them, I'd be pretty bummed about it. Yeah, the language here is very obtuse because she did, in fact, cry for the loss of her dear children. But it's yeah. it's like it's set up as the way we would say, you'd think she did this. But, in yeah. fact, she hated most of them <laughs> and was incredibly F- pleased. <laughs> FDR was the only one she cared about. And even him, he was iffy at times. <laughs> when they came into the meadow... There she saw the wolf lying under a tree and snoring so that the branches shook. The mother goat looked at him carefully on all sides, and she noticed how something inside his body was moving and struggling. Oh, good. One thing that's always missing from fairy tales is a little bit of body horror. (laughs) 
<laughs> this writhing mass of a wolf stomach. <laughs> Dear me, she thought, can it be that my poor children that he devoured for his evening meal are still alive? She sent FDR back to the house for a pair of shears <laughs> and needle and thread. Do you think it's weird? Well, I guess they're goats. They're not sheep. Again, I keep thinking they're sheep. This is like kind of strange for them to own shears. But anyway. Uh, so he brings all that stuff. Then she cut the wolf's body open. And no sooner had she made one sniff than out came the head of one of the kids. And then another sniff. And then one after the other, the six little kids all jumped out, alive and well. For in his greediness, the rogue had swallowed them down whole. How delightful this was. So they comforted their <laughs> yeah, dear mother. Sure. <laughs> Hooray! They comforted their dear mother and hopped about like tailors at a wedding. It's a good simile. <laughs> What a great simile. <laughs> now fetch some good hard stones, said the mother. None of those soft stones. Yeah. <laughs> we will fill his body with them as he lies asleep. And so they fetched some in all haste and put them inside him. And the mother sewed him up so quickly again that he was none the wiser. Didn't wake what? up through any Didn't of that. Didn't wake up. Yeah. He was, he's a sound sleeper. When the wolf at last awoke and got up, the stones inside him made him feel very thirsty. Sure. As is likely to happen when you eat a bunch of rocks. And as he was going ah, to the park to drink, <laughs> just so thirsty. So, so full of rocks. So full of rocks today. They struck and rattled against one another. And so he cried out. <laughs> what is this I feel inside me, knocking hard against my bones? How should such a thing betide me? They were kids, and now they're stones. <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to be singing that sing-song rhyme at the playground the next day. <laughs> Guys, check out this fire track that the Grimm Brothers just put out. Do you think, again, another, like, William effort? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So he came to the brook and stooped to drink, but the heavy stones weighed him down. So he fell over into the water and was drowned. Oh, and when the seven little kids saw it, they came up running. The wolf is dead. The wolf is dead, they cried. And taking hands, they danced with their mother all about the place. All around in a big ring around the dead carcass of a wolf. And then the next day, they went to their friends at the playground and said, hey, you want to see a dead body? <laughs> you want to see a dead body? You want to hear a cool nursery rhyme yeah. we have now? <laughs> Got a really oh. good hopscotch one for us. What's the lesson here, Carter? The lesson here is... In William and Je Jacob Grimm's The Wolf and the Seven Little Goats. Is that that's just how men be sometimes? It's, yeah, well, other than, yeah, other than go ahead and threaten people because they're so much more likely to bend when you threaten violence. Yeah. I think is really the true lesson here, and it's hidden. A single line where the Grimm brothers looked down from high on their tower, sneered, and said, The cowardice of man. <laughs> All men fall before the threat of death. <laughs> um, but really what it is, is that you have to have a better, you got to educate your kids better, I think, because what you, if, if you're, if I'm the mom of seven kids, whose names are Bill, Ted, yeah, <laughs> Bill, Ted, Bogus Journey, FDR, <laughs> and three more i wouldn't do i wouldn't do something i would not do something like this hey bill and the rest of you i'm going out for a little FDR while and the rest of you because fdr is the only one she liked that's right fdr and the rest of you and even you're iffy sometimes i'm going out because we're out of food and uh while i'm out there is <laughs> there is a chance that <laughs> however a, small 
however small, but there's a chance that a hyper-intelligent murderer is going to come and try to get in the house. Now, here's the situation. I'm going to give you a little password here. Here's the password. The password is nachos. And that's the password. And unless you hear somebody saying nachos, go ahead and just not open that door, okay? It's weird, Carter, but I think you picked the perfect password for the situation because a wolf would not know what nachos are. A wolf doesn't know what nachos are. That's exactly that's, right. That's the real moral of this story. <laughs> then I would also add this part, and this is, I think, where the mom went wrong. I would add this extra part, and I'd say, and if this hyper-intelligent serial-killing wolf does come to try to eat you, under no circumstances when he tries to get in say, no, that wasn't the password. The password was nachos. Don't give him the password. <laughs> Don't give him the password after he doesn't have the password because he could come back an hour later and just give you the password. And that would be very silly. So please just don't give the game away like that because what are you up to? So if we read closely into this story, it's really about the failings of the mother goat, not so much the wiliness of the wolf or the poor decisions of the children. Yeah, and you know, maybe there was just one children. Maybe Bill was like, no, our mother has white paws. And FDR's like, would you shut up? Stop. <laughs> Stop, Bill. This is why mom can't stand us, because you keep making <laughs> us look bad. Do you think they're, like, uh, they're on like nature hikes and they see like a wolf's den and Bill's always like, that looks cool. Like to <laughs> go over there. He's always like getting himself into crazy amounts of danger. Yeah, FDR slaps both of his hooves on the side of his cheeks and looks him straight in and says, listen, I've put so much work into being just slightly iffy to mom sometimes. If you, if you ruin this for me, I swear to God, I will get the wolf over here and I'll just give him to you. The wolf will get you. No matter where you hide, you could hide in the bed, in the kitchen, in the in oven. In the oven? Why would I hide in the oven? Just <laughs> focus. But it is a good hiding spot. Do think about that spot next time. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bogus, Bogus Journey hears them talking. He's like, ah, I'm going to hide in the oven if I ever need to hide in the oven. <laughs> Can't wait to hide in that oven. <laughs> So what do you have do you have a take on the lesson lesson to be learned? I feel like the lesson is to teach your children to be more aware of their surroundings and to like think critically and not just go off of the small bits of information because that's kind of what the kids did time and time again. But it's definitely something where we needed to read into it really closely in order to find and that's our literal job. So I feel like for uh, the most casual audience, the lesson's going to be pretty hard to parse from it. Yeah. Can I also just say briefly here that I feel like the mom sort of uh, buried the lead when she's warning the children because she says, oh, I guess he, she does say the wretch often disguises himself because I'd be like, you know, he may always be known by his hoarse voice and black paws and, you know, he's a wolf. <laughs> But, like, the Miller sees through the disguise pretty much straight away. Yeah. And that's after he's both eaten chalk and put paste on his legs. That's it's another Miller. thing I was going to say is that I can't for the life of me tell what is, like, old-timey solutions for weird problems like a sore throat or a hurt leg. And I can't tell what is Looney Tunes logic, aside from the wolf's <laughs> stomach getting cut open while he sleeps and him just waking up and be like, man, I'm thirsty. 
that's such a good that's such a good point you bring up because like yeah that's totally lost to history is just like which part of this which part of this did somebody read and go like <laughs> they read so he ate some chalk to to smooth out his voice and the people hearing the story are like naturally naturally as you would how am I going to make something white oh I just got to cover it in dough and then put <laughs> wheat like you know grain on it flour boom pow I'm done I'm out of here let's see eating chalk Disorder, ASMR, fever, during pregnancy, <laughs> meaning for heartburn, addiction, blog, for calcium, <laughs> nope, eating chalk for a, putting dough on wounds will be the research I do in the meantime, coarse voice. All right, from a article entitled 14 Weird Uses for Bread That Will Legitimately Blow Your Mind. Uh, apparently, if you put a piece of bread in your mouth, well, wait. No, never mind. This is about onions. That's a terrible title. Reddit is thinking about it, but nobody's answering. How to score bread without a lame? Is it true that if you eat drawing chalk, your singing voice will become more powerful? No, but it will make your voice softer. This really might be some evidence totally lost to time. Eating chalk make voice? Softer. This is just going to be an inevitable part of these deep dives, I think, that we'll just inevitably get to the point where we want to Google things to see if we can make any sort of sense of what was said in the chapter. So people with Pika, do, yeah, okay, well that's not, I know, I don't want, how do you know if eating chalk is a problem? <laughs> Tonight on My Strange Addiction. Now I do know that there is, that chalk is one of those, is one of those things that's like part of that, um medical condition where you feel compelled to eat you know some random stuff and yeah. chalk is often one of those things but that's not what i'm trying to trying to trying to parse out here i'm just trying to parse out if does i eat chalk make voice go soft <laughs> and that is not <laughs> becoming very clear i guess the problem is we can't use the internet to research things that existed before the internet you know yep the internet can only help us with the now exactly which is why historians have such a very difficult job. It's the most, it's the most intelligent thing I've ever said as well. <laughs> Internet only valid 80s onward, and everybody knows that. Everybody well, would you recommend this book to a um, – would you, would you read this book to your students, this story, I should say, to or my, your children? To my, to my ninth grade students. Yeah, why not? There are some of these I think your ninth graders would get a bigger kick out of than my first graders because the language with the first graders is like nigh inaccessible. Yeah. Whereas with ninth graders, they might appreciate a bizarre, bizarre turn of a story for, for the story's sake. Yeah. I feel like the longer that we do this podcast, the sooner the time's going to come where I'm going to think of, hey, why don't I give some of these stories to my English 9 students and see if they can parse out the meanings of these incredibly obtuse, old, rough draft fairy tales. It would definitely be good. Uh, it'd be a good lesson on citing evidence. Be like, where? Where does? Where is that evidence for exactly. your claim? Because oh my gosh, is is there really hardly any? Yeah. But you can also kind of read in. In a lot of ways, you can read whatever you want out of these things. Like I think this story was about how you should threaten men because they bend easy. <laughs> I know that because <laughs> on page two it says the Miller 
you know, I'll I'll kill you if you don't. And the Miller was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's cool. That's how the, men are. The Grimms told us to always be wary of the weakness of men. Exactly. Any final thoughts? It's better than the story <laughs> that we talked about before of Jan and his weird wife. Jan and Mally. That's right. Oh, no. Now it's happening to me. Yeah, that's right. Forever in our hearts, keeping it vitty. <laughs> yeah. Do you think when all the cows died, Jan was like, that's not real. That's not very vitty, Mally. That ain't vitty. <laughs> no, no, no. What Jan said was, it's all right. Nothing to be done about it. Yeah, it's all good. That's cool. It's fine. You, I'll buy you 10 more cows in the morning. At least we're not dealing with wolf problems like that town across the bay. <laughs> Do you think, what if Jan, what if Jan was the Miller? Oh, or Jan was the cowardly Miller all along. Yeah, or the Vaker, one of the two. We never did know what his job was. We just knew that he had, went to market. Well, if he's the Miller and he's carrying around bags of groats, that would make sense. Oh. It's part of an extended universe. It's all coming together. All right. Well, with that, join us next. Well, first off, I guess enjoy listening to the the, the story as I read it just a momentarily after this. <laughs> and uh, I've been Carter. I'm going to be Riley. Keep it vitty. Keep it vitty, everybody. Now you can hit stop. All right. The Wolf and the Seven Little Goats by William and Jacob Grimm. There once was an old goat who had seven little ones, and was fond of them as ever mother was of her children. One day, she had to go into the wood to fetch food for them, so she called them all round her. Dear children, she said, I am going out into the wood, and while I am gone, be on your guard against the wolf, for if he were once to get inside, he would eat you up, skin, bones, and all. The wretch often disguises himself, but he may always be known by his hoarse voice and black paws. Dear mother, answered the kids, you need not be afraid. We will take good care of ourselves. And the mother bleated goodbye and went on her way with an easy mind. It was not long before someone came knocking at the house door and crying out, Open the door, my dear children. Your mother has come back and has brought each of you something. But the little kids knew it was the wolf by the hoarse voice. We will not open the door, cried they. You are not our mother. She has a delicate and sweet voice, and your voice is hoarse. You must be the wolf. Then off went the wolf to a shop and bought a big lump of chalk and ate it up to make his voice soft. And then he came back, knocked at the house door, and cried, Open the door, my dear children. Your mother is here and has brought each of you something. But the wolf had put out his black paws against the window, and the kids, seeing this, cried out, We will not open the door. Our mother has no black paws like you. You must be the wolf. The wolf then ran to the baker. Baker, said he, I am hurt in the foot. Pray spread some dough over the place. And when the baker had plastered his feet, he ran to the miller. Miller, said he, strew me some white meal over my paws. But the miller refused, thinking the wolf must be meaning harm to someone. If you don't do it, cried the wolf, I'll eat you up. And the miller was afraid and did as he was told. And that just shows what men are. And now the rogue the third time to the door and knocked. Open, children, cried he. Your dear mother has come home and brought you each something from the woods. First show us your paws, 
said the kids, so that we may know if you are really our mother or not. And he put up his paws against the window, and when they saw that they were white, all seemed right, and they opened the door. And when he was inside, they saw it was the wolf, and they were terrified and tried to hide themselves. One ran under the table, the second got into the bed, the third into the oven, the fourth ran into the kitchen, the fifth hid in the cupboard, the sixth under the sink, the seventh in the clock case. But the wolf found them all and gave them short shrift. One after the other he swallowed down, all but the youngest, who was hid in the clock case. And so the wolf, having got what he wanted, strolled forth into the green meadows, and laying himself down under a tree, he fell asleep. Not long after, the mother goat came back from the wood, and oh, what a sight met her eyes. The door was standing wide open, table, chairs, and stools all thrown about, dishes broken, quilt and pillows torn off the bed. She sought her children, but they were nowhere to be found. She called to each of them by name, but nobody answered, until she came to the name of the youngest. Here I am, mother, a little voice cried, here in the clock case. And so she helped him out, and heard how the wolf had come and eaten all the rest, and you may think how she cried for the loss of her dear children. At last in her grief she wandered out of the doors, and the youngest kid with her, and when they came into the meadow, there she saw the wolf lying under a tree, and snoring so that the branches shook. The mother goat looked at him carefully on all sides, and noticed how something inside his body was moving and struggling. Dear me, thought she, can it be that my poor children that he devoured for his evening meal are still alive? And she sent the little kid back to the house for a pair of shears and needle and thread. Then she cut the wolf's body open. And no sooner had she made one snip than out came the head of one of the kids, and then another snip, and then one after the other the six little kids all jumped out alive and well, for in his greediness the rogue had swallowed them down whole. How delightful this was! So they comforted their dear mother and hopped about like tailors at a wedding. Now fetch some good hard stones, said the mother, and we will fill his body with them as he lies asleep. And so they fetched some in all haste and put them inside him. And the mother sewed him up so quickly again that he was none the wiser. And when the wolf was at last awake and got up, the stones inside him made him feel very thirsty. And as he was going to the brook to drink, they struck and rattled one against another. And so he cried out, What is this I feel inside me, knocking hard against my bones? How should such a thing betide me? They were kids, and now they're stones. So he came to the brook and stooped to drink, but the heavy stones weighed him down, so he fell over into the water and was drowned. And when the seven little kids saw it, they came up running. The wolf is dead! The wolf is dead! they cried. And taking hands, they danced with their mother all about the place. The End <laughs>